For Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 253. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace, Pingdom, and Text Expander. It is an odd numbered episode, so I get to introduce Mike Hurley to the show. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. It's me. I'm hosting today, and I'm still a guest co host, I guess. Uh, Federico, hello. This is the strangest introduction I've ever witnessed. Yep. Hello, Mike and, and Mike, too. Well, look, here's Both the thing. You. After last week's episode, I've decided that I want to talk 10 times more than usual on this episode. So I'm going to oh. go about saying things in a way that might be superfluous in nature, just so I can try and win back some of the time that I lost from the previous episode. You don't have to win. It's not mandatory for you to win it back. I just feel like I didn't give all the Mike fans out there the hot words that they were looking for, you know? Is that what you think people expect from you? Hot I words? That, I think that there is a certain subset of people <laughs> that expect a lot of words from me, yeah, and they want it. I and mean, when they come to the episode sure. and I'm like croaking the occasional yap at them, I don't think that they're gonna, they're not leaving the episode happy. I think people were happy. <laughs> judging from the reactions that we've seen it was a, but, uh, yes uh it was one of those things where we made a judgment call before last week's episode decided that i would be on the show and that i would say one word and uh, people seemed to enjoy it um marina ivanova and mike apuran made a website called mike the oracle dot space which is basically me as a magic eight ball so mm-hmm. think about a question you ask the oracle and you press a button to hear the prophecy and they have clipped my many, many words uh, from last week's episode and play them back to you and it can, it can help you. So, for example, you could say, like, uh, is Stephen Hackett here today? And it says, hear the prophecy. Let's and see. the prophecy said yes to me, which is not true because he isn't. But uh, he's Let's on holiday. See. Will I finish writing the iOS 13 review by August 20? It's a yes. Oh, that's good news. This is an oracle. Stephen won't be here today, though. The oracle can't be right all the time. We are entering uh, connected vacation season. That's happening now. What that mm-hmm. means is, over the next, I don't know, couple of months, we're all over the uh, place. Not a, cu- not a couple of months. Mm. Next month. Right, but that's, month. I'm, I'm taking some trips later. He's taking some trips later. You know, like, I know you, mm. your trips are confined. But I think that we don't do, like, I take a trip, you take a trip. Steven takes a trip. They're like spread out. So like there might be two weeks where we're all back to normal and then one of us is gone again. Um, And, you know, it adds to some variation and some wild introductions like this one where I'm just rambling on and on and on. Uh, But we are actually, believe it or not, see, this is what happens when Steven's not around. We are already in follow-up, but nobody declared us, so. Well, that's how what we do. It's the follow up sneaks sneaks up on you. It you, does. You don't even notice. You don't even notice it's happening until you know it's happening. I am going to uh. betray follow up by immediately doing some follow out, and the okay. follow out is to upgrade episode two hundred and fifty five. Uh, on last week's episode, you spoke about we. You spoke about. I was there, but you two spoke about uh, Apple Podcast exclusives. Um, and Stephen asked me to provide some follow-up of my thoughts on this. Uh, I just spoke about the adjacent on Upgrade instead. So if you want to hear my thoughts on Apple potentially making exclusive podcasts, uh, go listen to episode 255 of Upgrade. I just listened to that yesterday, and it was a really good episode, and Thank I you. especially liked that segment. Thank so. you very much. Yeah, I, uh, we pre-recorded that episode because Jason was away, and we needed things to talk about, and that was one of the things that we could talk about. It was good to hear your voice again. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> I'm 
pretty much back to normal. That was the first time um, in my entire 10-year podcasting career that I have lost my voice. Like, mm. to, to that extent. You know, I've had colds and stuff like that, but that was a wild experience. And it only lasted for like a day and a half. Um, I don't think I even said on the show why well, I didn't. I don't think it was a why. There was a reason that I'd lost my voice. It wasn't just that I had a cold. Do you know? Did I tell you? I think I know the reason. But in the morning, uh, I spent some time with a school. I went in and yeah. some workshops and stuff with a, with a school um, who invited me to come and speak to them, which was a really rewarding experience. But when you talk to four different classes of school children for four hours straight, mm-hmm. uh, it is possible you will lose your voice, and especially mm-hmm. if you have a little cold, which I did. So like, yeah. I, I had a just a cold, really, but I sounded significantly more sick than I actually was, mm-hmm. which was kind of funny because people were like, like personal friends, like close friends were like messaging me like, are you all right? Like, you sound very sick. It's like, mm, I wasn't <laughs> that bad. It sounded very bad. I wasn't that bad. Yeah, when I told Sylvia that you had lost your voice after talking to kids at a, at a school, she looked at me and and she teaches dance. She teaches she teaches hip hop to kids, and she looked at me with like with a, with. A, <laughs> she said something like, "Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know what that feels like." Yep. <laughs> you know, when when she started doing that, uh, especially the first first couple of years, she would always lose her voice in just one afternoon. So talking to kids. Sounds terrible. Don't do it, uh, especially if you're a podcaster. <laughs> there you go. You had, you had your first rock star moment, Mike. When you lost your voice, you needed to cancel your concert. Uh, in this case, it was not a concert. It was a podcast episode. And I and didn't you cancel sort of it. canceled it. You sort of canceled it. I sort of canceled it. Um, mm. I wanted to talk about my Echo Show a little bit more because uh, I didn't really get to share any of the feelings about it. Um, my one word answers did not do a good enough job of describing why I bought this device and okay. I have now been using it for over a week so I have some extended thoughts so the main reason that we wanted to change our Echo is our original Echo which was a generation one Echo could not hear us very well and my thinking was on this that basically it had just gotten too old like that the, the either the microphones were degrading or we had gotten so used to the HomePod sensitivity that we were starting to realize where the Echo was failing more often. So mm. we, I decided I wanted to get a new Echo, and I thought that it was maybe time to try out the Echo Show, which is something that I've been interested in. Like, what is one of these devices like with a with a screen? Um, and part one has been completely satisfied right like it can hear us excellently about as good as the home pod does and in a way in ways that it couldn't before so we have an extractor fan in the kitchen right you know like one of those hoods that goes over the top of the oven and it sucks in fumes or whatever um, when we would have that on the previous echo could never hear but the new one does which is great um, uh, and also th- i have found that the visual aid of the script that the screen provides is really great so for example multiple timers is wonderful because you they list them on the screen right when you're setting them it has a little countdown which i enjoy when you're 10 seconds from the timer setting off a little countdown pops up on the screen which is good because it catches your attention 
Um, so you can kind of start getting prepared to, to do the next thing. And, you know, like if, especially if you're cooking and really like the echo has been a kitchen assistant for us for basically its entire life. And we use it for these things every single day, right? Because we, we actually cook, cook like from scratch meals every day, right? Like, and I know not everybody does that. And that's just no judgment. It's just a thing that we like to do, right? So like we take a bunch of ingredients and we make a meal out of them, right? Wait, you know what I'm saying? How do people that, cook right? otherwise? Um, from Is there another way? Frozen meals or ready meals. Oh, or, no, don't do you know. that. No, people can do that. It's it's it's. I understand that it's it's okay for people to do that. But like we we cook with real recipes every day, right? Like that's just like a thing that we do at home, and we like to do that. So there are lots of uses for timers and stuff like that. And I know that people seem to really talk about the timer thing as like it's like this be all end all of a of a uh, smart assistant device. But sometimes it is a very important thing. I have never found myself to be completely satisfied even with the multiple timers on the HomePod. I find Siri to just not have that stuff nailed down as well. Sometimes it wants to set reminders and it's just it just doesn't work very well for me. I have not been very happy with that, but the Echo does a fantastic job of it. Um and I also like I've spoken about the grocery uh, app that we use or like the grocery service that we use has an uh, an Echo skill. And because it's on the show, what I like is when you say like, hey, order me uh, table salt or whatever, it will pop up an image of the thing it's adding to the cart, which is just a nice additional thing to have. So you can be like, oh, yeah, that is the one that I buy. So I like that. Um, I enjoy the digital photo frame thing. It's just a nice addition. But here's one of the big things about the Echo Show. And I think it's one of the ways that people have have struggled with it in the past that i kind of realized quite quickly it's not to think of it as a touchscreen device it is a voice assistant that has a screen and i know that that maybe sounds pretty simplistic but if you try and use that thing like an ipad you will be really upset because because the touchscreen is not like it is not responsive it is not a very responsive device like i feel like i'm doing things to it and and i'm swiping and and i don't know what it thinks i'm doing or not doing but it's not acting the way that i expect but to think of this device as a something that is like touch first is wrong anyway. It's like it is a voice assistant for me still that also provides visual aid. And I really like it for that. So to try mm. and use it as little as possible as a touchscreen device is actually a better way to use this thing. And I think people would be happier with it overall. Like it has a web browser built in, right? And so now when we want to get recipes up, we use the web browser. The web browser sucks. But it's serving its purpose, right? Because now it is like just the one thing that we have to have in the kitchen. Because I was never happy with the kitchen iPad situation. Um, it just never really worked the way that I wanted to because it had to be signed into someone's iCloud account, which is just like not what I wanted. Um, and, and then you have to like disable a bunch of stuff and it was uh, too much going on. But I really like the Echo Show for, for that, right? Like, we can bring up some recipes. We can just leave the recipes open as tabs, right? And you can just click through to our favorite recipes in little tabs. And that's it. And that's done. And that works. But I really like just kind of the overall assistant with a screen thing. Um, I actually think mm. that... And, and, and if you think of it in that mode of, like, I'm still going to speak to this, but it's going to show me some stuff sometimes... I actually am I'm, I'm a fan of this product. I think that it's really cool. So where is this placed in your kitchen? On top of my microwave. Mm. Okay. 
Interesting. I'm sure that could be a problem, but we use the microwave maybe three times a year. I actually don't mm-hmm. even know why we still have it. But a microwave feels like one of those things that is in the kitchen, and when you don't have one, you're just really mad, right? Because it's like, well, now what am I going to do? I need a microwave, so we have. Uh, I don't. Have, I don't have one. We I'm used fine. to use one a lot more, um, but we don't anymore. I, 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 if for example, if there is another kitchen appliance that we want to purchase and we need the space, I'll get rid of the microwave. But right now, we don't, we don't need the space on the mm-hmm. counter. Like we're good, um, but it's there if, if ever we need it. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of it. I, I don't know if I'd recommend it to everyone, um, but I, I do really like it. I would, I would like to have a HomePod with the screen. I, I, I struggle to imagine a scenario yep. where we're going back to having two assistants in the home. Yeah, I think you that's know? more of the point that I'm trying to make, honestly, that like these 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 devices are great, these v- v- like voice-based devices, but screens on them are really useful yeah. because it, it can help give you more information. Like when I ask for the weather now, it tells me today, but it also shows me tomorrow so if I mean if I can see it, I can get more information out of it, but I don't have to, and then it's not overburdening me with information that I don't need that I'm not asking for, right? And it's like that. It's like oh, you know what? I like that, or like I can see the date and time whenever I want it, or if but if I ask for the time, it will just give me the time. But if I'm if I can if I'm close to it, I can get an extra piece of information, and that's kind of what I like. It's like. You, you, when you're just conversing with it or getting commands, it will do what you're asking it to. But additional information exists for you if you want it. And I actually quite, quite like that. It's a good balance, I think. Yeah. This multiplicity of uh, form factors uh, is one of the, the great advantages of the Echo platform. Yeah, you, you can, can get, screen, get you can any get a of speaker. them. Yeah, you get you big screen, get, small yeah. screen, medium screen, right? Like they have... Two sizes of Echo Show. You can get the little circular one, or yep. you can get like three sizes of just the voice one, right? Like, or you can get a clock that has it in, or a microwave, right? Like, that's why why I like this platform, right? And also, I think that the skills. I don't know how good they are, but I like that so many come. Like, we just got a new fan today. Um, I about three years ago, we got one of the Dyson hot and cool fans. Mm-hmm. Um, so like it's a, a fan but it's also a heater and we are entering a horrific heat wave here in the United Kingdom um, mm-hmm. it is going to be 37 degrees Celsius tomorrow yeah it was 37 here today but you, kn- you. Yeah. but you you've been here in that kind of heat you know we're not built for it <laughs> yeah right <laughs> so that's that's like it's going to be about 99 degrees Fahrenheit um, so like the UK cannot cope with it so we got. I've been. I've had my eye on one of these, uh, another fan that Dyson makes for a while, and I've been putting some money aside for it because it is not cheap. But it is mm. also a humidifier as well. It's called like oh, nice. the hot, hot, cool, pure link or something like. It's a crazy name, but it has um, it has like smart assistant support, including shortcuts, which I was really surprised about. It has, it's not a HomeKit product. But it is a uh, it, they do have shortcut support, which so I can I've set it up with Siri as well already. Well, I just looked it up for you, and I just want to let you know that Homebridge has a native Dyson Link package. 
<laughs> that you could use. I'm so, not just saying. I'm not surprised. But the the uh, the shortcut support very good, right? Mm. So it, you go into a specific view. So you go into the app, and it shows you all of the controls, and you select a custom set of controls. So like, I want it to be cold at level seven with the air purifier on and rotating 45 degrees and then you save a shortcut with all those settings oh nice so like it's very cool but i they have an echo skill and you can natively ask for all of that stuff with the echo skill right like i don't need to set it up like i do with shortcuts like i can just say hey turn the air purifier on and it's and it works i don't have to do it beforehand where it's not built that way because I don't even know if they can be a HomeKit product. I have no idea, but but yeah, hmm. I like I I love Dyson products, man. Yeah, me too. And we've been keeping an eye on the fan for a while. Um, we're probably gonna upgrade to the V11 vacuum. Uh, we oh, those one. vacuums are the best. The ones yeah. that you hand that you hand. We have like the V8 or something. Yeah, the Animal is called. We have the Animal Pro as well. Yeah, they're really. I love Dyson products. They're really well yeah. made. Yeah, really. Yeah. Well and made. they're opening a Dyson store, uh, just in the mall that's five minutes away from my house. There's a, they have a coming soon signage uh, going up. There's going to be a Dyson store. I don't and know I think if you need a Dyson store. I don't think people need that. No, no. But it's. I think it's going to be fun and sort of as a showroom to to try yeah, things. Yeah. We also got, and this is totally a tangent here, but we got a. Me store, so there would be a Xiaomi store mm-hmm. here in Rome, and you know I spent ten minutes just browsing around, and of course the the smartphones are totally copycats of iPhones and other Android devices, but the smart home stuff is really impressive and it's quite cheap. I'm and pretty you sure look- you told this exact story last week. It's possible. It's po- it's very possible. <laughs> but I went again. I okay. went in again, and I spent more time in the store. I have store. a new story. I went back. <laughs> I went back because I told Sylvia, look, I got to go back and spend more time looking at, you know, toothbrushes and towels. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have a lot of options. And I I was keeping an Do eye on the Do they have sensor. any of the phones with, like, the pop-out cameras and stuff in there? Yeah, I think so. But I didn't play. Out okay. of principle, I didn't, I didn't play around with the phones. Um, because I don't, you know, because I think they're too similar to other phones. But the smart home stuff is really impressive. So I went back and spent more time into the Xiaomi store. And uh, it's, it's uh, you know, last week it was sort of a, a teaser because I only spent two minutes. This time I actually spent a lot of time, but, you know, what I, I want did you was to go I, back there again and play with the no. phones. Okay, because I'll probably go back a third time. They have some crazy technology in their phones, right? They have like the pop-out cameras and stuff like that and the in-screen fingerprint readers and all that nonsense. And they also, have you ever heard of the Pocophone? I think I have, yes. Yeah, they make it too. The Xiaomi make the Pocophone yeah. too. Um, and yeah. that's that's like this phone that is like, it's super cheap, but mm-hmm. super high spec and like everyone loves it. Mm-hmm. What I did though, I have a confession. I went to the Xiaomi store and I checked out the, you know, Xiaomi make these, um, they have a, a separate smartphone, smart home accessory line called Akara. And it, the, the, those, those Akara sensors. So they have like a home hub, they have uh, window and door contact sensors, they have motion sensors. Um, 
they only had a full like sort of a starter starter kit at the store and it was quite expensive so what i did i ended up buying the same devices for cheaper on amazon so i'm sorry xiaomi store but i i i only used you to actually check out the products in real life but then i used amazon uh, were they cheaper day. on amazon they were they were okay yeah they were cheaper wow the Akara the Akara website is not in even a little bit in english you can use the app in english uh but it's oh there we go I, I found the english version i think yeah I've been looking it up via. It's not even Homebridge actually. The Akara, the Akara Hub um, supports a HomeKit natively. It's one of the only security systems that shows up as an actual security system in the Home app. Uh, I think only three of them exist, maybe. Um, another one is the Honeywell Lyric controller, which is an actual alarm system that you gotta get installed so what, did by you a get technician. The- the door and window sensor is that what you're talking about that one and the hub uh the akara hub which serves oh, as yeah, a security system hub. it's the screenshot that i sent you yesterday right. in my message showing the siren mm-hmm. gnome kit yeah that's so you can uh you can connect other smart devices to this one so you can it's fun because um the hub shows up in HomeKit, but for the hub to be triggered it's got to be associated with sensors, so uh, motion sensors or contact sensors. I got a contact one, and those sensors are not HomeKit compatible. They use Zigbee as a yep. um, protocol. Yep. But it doesn't matter because you set it up in the Akara ha- in the Akara app, and then in HomeKit you only see the hub. And that as long is as a the- smart way to build yep. a system. So HomeKit only gets the hub, but it doesn't matter because all you need to care about is whether the, the, the system gets triggered and the connections you can manage from the Akara app. HomeKit only needs to know, do you have a security system? Is it armed? Is it disarmed? And But then what can you do in the Home app, though? Well, you can, you can arm and disarm your security system. Right. And you can use it for automation. So you can do things like when my security system arms or disarms or, which is, I guess, the trigger that most people will use, when my security system is triggered, do something. And uh, you can connect any kind of accessories you want or uh, you can run a shortcut, which is uh, another thing that we can talk about. But yeah, this is... Wait, uh, so when you're... (laughs) So so somebody breaks into your home. I don't want to get into the details. I don't want to give... I don't no, need I know. I don't need the details. No. Don't need the details. But I just want to get just from a basic perspective. When somebody Trust breaks me, you into your home, try. it it triggers a shortcut. Oh, it triggers a bunch of things. Of course, no. Uh, but I just want to know <laughs> if it triggers a shortcut because that's All the I'm most Federico thing. I love that. Is that it's gonna uh, you're gonna ha- if, if you try and break into now? I I set up a whole system myself, entirely based on HomeKit. Um, including backup options for power. Um, two things. Uh, one, your eardrums are going to get destroyed. Mm-hmm. And two, I am going to get multiple levels of notifications based on shortcuts that my mm-hmm. HomeKit hubs are running. Because that's a feature in iOS, iPadOS, tvOS 13, and macOS Catalina. 
multiple levels of notifications, including pushover and including Twilio, which sends me SMS, uh, text messages. Um, So my HomeKit accessories are triggering a native HomeKit automation that runs a shortcut. I actually tweeted about this yesterday. And um, on my phone, so multiple things will happen uh, to, you know, scare off people who try to break into my apartment and multiple people will be contacted and I will get multiple notifications. Yeah. That's crazy that the shortcuts thing is already built into Catalina. That's quite, that was quite a good find from you. Yeah. So we, we, we're going to talk about it on, on app stories on, on Monday, I think. Yep. Um, so, and, and there's a lot more details in, in that episode, but basically um, the home app and not necessarily the home app, HomeKit hubs um, have a separate instance of shortcuts built in, um, which means that uh, an automation that you set up in the home app, it can access a subset of shortcuts actions and run those actions independently from the shortcuts app. It's got the same editor. Uh, this looks janky as hell, though. It's, it, it's kind of difficult to wrap your head around, but I think once you get it, it sort of clicks. Yeah, yeah. It's like you you can set up automations in in home, right? That's always been possible. Previously, yep. you could only have accessories as actions. Like if my motion sensor triggers, turn on the lights, mm-hmm. right? And the lights was the action. Now, an action can be a shortcut. And to put together the shortcut, you have the shortcuts editor into the home app. But because it's a separate instance, you don't have access to all the actions from the shortcuts app. And why is that? Because let's say that you're not at home and your home kit, your, your home is managed by the Apple TV that is used as a home kit hub. Now your door opens and an automation is supposed to run because you're not at home. If you had a shortcut that had, I don't know, choose from list as an action, yeah. how would that work, yeah, right? Okay. So that's why HomeKit only has access to a subset of actions. But in those actions, you can make web requests. You can talk to web APIs. And that's what I've been doing uh, to send me custom notifications. So when something happens, accessories are controlled, which was an existing feature, but also... Uh, Shortcuts runs code effectively, sending me notifications and contacting people, sending text messages around uh, to make sure that 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 I'm on the case. I wanted yeah. to ask you something real quick in iOS mm-hmm. in iOS 13. Can you add a shortcut enabled stuff into a scene, or is it just an automation? Interesting question. I let me double check. I don't think it's possible yet. I don't think it's possible in a right. scene because I would want to just because I have like a bedtime scene that just changes some of the lights, and I would like to just add something in there. But I don't think it's possible with the scene. But at this point, you should just make a shortcut, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I probably will. That's probably what I'm going to do because it's easy because enough in, to just change that, and I could do that now on twelve. Especially, be, especially because in but, but in shortcuts in iOS thirteen. You can actually control HomeKit from shortcuts. So uh, yeah. it's it's also true the other way around. So you have shortcuts inside of Home, but you also have Home inside of shortcuts. So if you use the Control My Home action, 
to control accessories to change yeah like you can change the color of, the color of a light yeah inside I, of I shortcuts can, what i want to do is i can already do in shortcuts which is turn one on turn one off right like that's that's a thing that right. i can already do um or i could just use a shortcut to enable the existing scene and just give it a new name and because what mm. i want to do is is then also turn on the fan but um, right which i can now do but anyway that's cool all right well that was unexpected smart home devices everybody Mm -hmm. it's a wild and wonderful time today's Mm -hmm. show is brought to you by squarespace make your next move with squarespace they will let you create a website for your next idea or project they give you all of the tools that you need to put your next work online you can get a unique domain name so you can give your website the branding that it deserves and you can take advantage of award-winning templates that are beautifully designed allowing you to show off your great ideas you can even add an online store to your squarespace site if you want to sell physical or digital goods squarespace has all of the tools that you need no matter what type of website you want to make whether it's for an event Maybe you want to set up a blog or a portfolio. Maybe you want to set up a website to show off the music from your band. It doesn't matter what type of website you want to make because Squarespace has everything. There is nothing to install or patch or upgrade. They take care of all of that stuff so you don't have to. They are the all-in-one platform for putting your work online. You can go and try it out for yourself right now at squarespace.com connected and you get a free trial. You can go in and you can build your entire site And then when you're ready to launch it to the world, their plans start at just $12 a month. Every Squarespace customer benefits from 24-7 customer support as well. So if you need any help at all, they're always there when you need them. When you decide to sign up for a Squarespace plan, go again to squarespace.com slash connected and use the offer code connected and you will get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for this show. That is squarespace.com slash connected and the code connected for 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for their continued support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Um, I watched an MKBHD video a couple of days ago, as I do, as I want to watch mm-hmm. all of them. Um, continues to be my one of my very favorite creators just just an absolute powerhouse every single video is entertaining i don't know how he does it but he does um and he did a video about the royale flex pie it's like the only shipping yeah. <laughs> foldable phone it was like the first one that anybody saw it's like ces or mobile world congress or something when all of the phones started like the foldable phones started popping out i think it was a mobile world congress but you can now it's possible to get one like it's it's not easy i think you have to import it from probably from china or japan i'm not sure where um but it's possible to get one and he met he made a comment which i just wanted to touch on because it's something that i have felt for a long time and i was pleased to see marquez say it too screen on the outside is not the way to go and that's what mm. the royal flex is and everybody was really excited about the huawei mate x right because they were like oh that's what you want like the maximum screen and it folds on the outside um this is called uh, mountain fold in origami by the way there's something somebody wrote this wrote into me ages ago to suggest this which is good as a way to try and describe how, where the screen goes so mountain, mountain, mountain fold. fold if you imagine a mountain right so you've got like a peak the screen is yeah. on the out. The face is on the outside of a mountain, right? And if you in, it, just think of a valley, so it goes down. That's when it closes up, right? So a mountain, you you close it one way. A valley, you close it the other way. So a valley fold is like a book, right? So like you close a book, right? And the content. Well, this on the is inside. too many metaphors. What what's a valley? What's a book? 
Okay, well, it's called Valley Fold and Mountain Fold. They are the names oh, no. of two Why types of folds. Why are we using nicknames? Just say no, screen on the outside or no, no, screen no. on the inside. It's not a nickname. This is it's another a particular type of name of folding in origami. That's what I'm telling you. What's origami? Do you not know what origami, origami? Um, I know what origami is. I don't know what origami is in the context of phones. Okay, so Just origami... Just keep saying screen on the outside and screen on the inside. No. Because technically, the Samsung Galaxy Fold has a screen on the outside. Yeah. And but it's the, not what you want? But the screen's on the inside. You see? This is what I'm saying. They have two screens. They have one on the outside and one on the inside. But the foldable screen's on the inside. It is a valley fold. Why is, why is it a valley fold? Right. So in origami... <laughs> in origami, right? Forget it. The screen on the outside. Thank you. Um, and so, but this is something that I've been assuming for a while. And basically, uh, Marquez says, as expected, it gets in the way more. It's more susceptible to damage if you have the screen on the outside. Mm-hmm. You touch things accidentally and it has more creases. It has like this Royal Flex Pie right. has two creases because it has to fold twice, not once, like around itself. So... Because if you imagine, right, if you're folding in, it has one crease right in the middle. But if you're folding on the outside, you've gonna, you're going to have like two hinges that it has to go around because none right. of these phones can fold completely flat. So you have to like, if you imagine like the spine of a book, right, there's two folds on the spine of a book in most instances, like in, in like a thick book, right? If you have like a big hardcover book it, and you imagine like the cover that goes around the outside of it, it has like two different folds in it and it's got a flat piece down the middle. Mm-hmm. so it's like wings or whatever you know um so yeah so just something to know i just thought that it was an interesting point i was pleased to see that marquez has got a device has now been able to compare right the two different types of phone and of course huawei's phone could be better if it ever ships but um it's still going to suffer from at least the idea of that it's more susceptible for that screen getting damaged when all of those screens are plastic Right, mm-hmm. so they're not glass because glass doesn't doesn't bend like that. It turns out. Turns yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Apple is apparently in ad- in advanced talks with Intel to purchase their modem chip division. This was reported in a couple of outlets yesterday, but I got a report from the Wall Street Journal. So this th- this part of Intel's division that is being sold off would cover a selection of patents and staff members and is currently valued at about a billion dollars. It's expected that if a deal is to be done, it will be announced next week. So some of the interesting context for this is it's worth remembering Apple was supposedly in talks with Intel to supply their modem chips for 5G Mm -hmm. and beyond, right? Especially when Apple was having all of the issues that they were having with Qualcomm when they were in court together. And then you may remember the shocking settlement, right? Like while they're in court, one day everybody just decided to settle. Um, and they, and Apple and Qualcomm settled their lawsuit. Apple paid them a bunch of money and entered into a multi-year agreement for the supply of their modem chips and for some patent uh, cross-licensing. It was questioned at the time, like kind of like why is this all happening? Like you felt like you could read the tea leaves and see that it was either Apple decided that Intel wasn't good enough or Intel decided that they just couldn't be bothered to do it anymore because Intel immediately said that they were like shuttering this part of their business. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like ch- it was like a chicken and egg, right? Like which which was first? Did Intel decide they didn't want to do it, or did Apple decide they were going with Qualcomm? And it was it wasn't really known, and I don't think we'll ever know. 
Um, but you are in a point now where it seems like Apple will be picking up the scraps and buying this from Intel, which makes perfect sense when you think about it, because ultimately, Apple does not want to be in this arrangement with Qualcomm, but they're stuck because the patents for these chips are owned by Intel and Qualcomm. So they can't really do anything about it. And Apple have done this before, right? Like they bought, was it Taiwan Semiconductor? Got a bunch of stuff there. And then they did a deal with ARM and then they were good to go. And so now it may be a case of they can pick up a bunch of technology, a bunch of patents from Intel. They now have that deal with Qualcomm. And then within a few years time, they can start making their own chips. But with Intel, they also have the leg up of these are a bunch of people that have been doing this stuff for a while. And it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me because Apple is the kind of company that likes to control the, you know, components and especially the important ones like the, the you know the system on a chip and in this case the modem especially when modems are becoming increasingly more important again with 5g right exactly it's and they're not the kind of company that likes to depend uh on other companies for these critical components and so it would be in complete apple style to say four five years you know we're actually making our own, our own modems mm-hmm. for for 5g yeah. And, uh, and I think this was even even after all this Qualcomm stuff, right? And I think especially after the Qualcomm stuff, everybody was just like assuming like, oh, they're going to make their own at some point. But isn't it even easier when you buy Intel's modem division mm-hmm. to then go about making your own 5G chips? So Yeah, and we're probably going to get a 5G iPhone in 2020, according to rumors. Um, mm-hmm. You guys in the UK already have 5G turned on, yep. right? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah. We, do, we do as well in Italy in, in select cities. I think Rome is part of the, of the initial rollout. Uh, and I have some friends who are buying or are considering at least these 5G Android phones. Uh, I don't think those are going to go super well. I remember the first 4G Android phones and how you know the battery would last like <laughs> three hours at most, and they will get super hot. And I think the same is going to happen with 5G. Uh, so I don't know, 5G iPhone in 2020? Probably. Still feels a little too early for me, but I don't know. Uh, John Voorhees provided follow-up. It was PA Semiconductor that they bought, not Taiwan Semiconductor. Um, right. I think 2020 is, is fine, because... All of Apple's main competitors have 5G phones shipping this year, mm-hmm. um, so I think I think 2020 is fine for that. I I think that 5G is something that Apple can put in even just one phone, right? They can just like a lot of other companies are doing. Um, it would not surprise me. I, I I think that this is just one of those technologies that they need to jump on sooner rather than later. Like it's because it, it, people are going to be very excited about this. Um, and also, it could also lend lend into their plans, right? Like, there's a lot of stuff about 5G, which is not just as simple as faster download speeds. There's like a lot of stuff around like latency and things like that, and how important that can be for AI stuff and self driving and AR yep. and all that kind of stuff. And if that's Apple's plans over the next couple of years, trying to get this stuff out in their phones and shipping sooner rather than later will be of a benefit to them. Um, there was a Kickstarter campaign launched in the last couple of days that lots of people have been sending to us for good reason. It's called the Magic Dock, um, and it is a kind of pro-focused iPad dock. Um, it is 
a surface style, surface studio yes. style hinge. So it has a base yep. and one of those arms that can kind of be articulated all the way down and you can kind of move the iPad around to, to face you in different orientations. You can do it in portrait and landscape. It has some built-in I.O. So you can plug into the USB, you plug it into the USB-C port and you get a headphone jack, a USB-C, US, regular USB and HDMI port in the back of it. Um, what do you think? Well, um, in terms of the product itself, there's a lot of details that I would like to confirm. So let mm -hmm. me say, first of all, that I am intrigued by this product. I think it's, you know, I, um, I love the Surface Studio for, you know, sort of to use as a drafting table type of device. I love that idea. I'm not so sure about whether a 12.9-inch iPad Pro would have the same effect of a Surface Studio. And... I, in thinking about my usage of the iPad Pro and how I look at the screen, I know that I would have a keyboard in front of this device if I were to type, you know, an article. Um, but then, from the judging from the photos, it doesn't feel like it's tall enough for to avoid neck strain, uh, and it feels like it, you know, it wouldn't keep the iPad at an elevation that would allow me to not look down, and so. Yes. Not to keep my neck down. And that if I do that for a couple of hours, I'm going to feel it in my shoulders. I'm going to feel it in my neck. It's not good for me. And I think you have the same problem, Mike. Yeah, that's why I, I have found the one true uh, stand for the iPad, which is the yeah. clear look stand. Yeah, which, which is taller. bonkers how high it gets. So I can, yeah. I can have my iPad eye height now while at a desk. That's what you want, exactly. So in terms of the angle and the, 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 the height, I'm not sure about it. I like the idea of uh, the, you know, the, the base integrates with the iPad. It doesn't require you to like open a hinge. You just place it, connect it via USB-C. There's a, a connector on the side that communicates with the actual hub, which is in the foot of the stand. So it's a clever design. I'm just concerned about the height. I would like to know, however, more details and numbers about the types of connections being used. I looked on the Kickstarter campaign page, couldn't find any details yeah. on yeah, we both power spent delivery. some time like looking through all of it and couldn't find anything that that's that kind of said that stuff. Which you are a big fan of these high I, speed well, specs. I liked, sure, especially now that I'm using the iPad Pro, for example, to record podcasts and later when I want to transfer a file. The faster it is, the happier I am. So I would like to know power delivery. I would like to know, and I am assuming because they mentioned USB 3.0. Is that super speed? <laughs> it's not super speed. It's the old spec, and that's going to be 5 gigabit per second at best. But I also, you know, I'm keeping an eye on um, this Sony hub, saw, uh, which is, yeah. it sounds like the ultimate USB-C hub. It's going to do 4K at 60. It's going to do USB 3.1 Gen 2 speeds. So that's 10 gigabit per second. It's the kind of hub that nobody has made yet. Um, and it sounds like the, the accessory of my dreams. And, knowing, and it's also going to support the ultra high speed 2 SD cards, which are super fast. Um, no existing USB-C hub as all the specs that Sony promised. Jack, course, should I read those specs? I've got it here. Yes, please. Yes, uh, please. It's a HDMI port for video with 4K support at 30 frames a second. 
USB-C power delivery port for power uh, up to 100 watts. USB-C and USB-A port for external devices, both rated at 3.1 Gen 2. Um, Sony says that the specification makes it the hub, its hub the fastest on the market with transfer speeds of up to 1,000 megabytes a second, at least for the USB-C. And it has SD card and micro SD card too. That's coming from The Verge. Yeah. So 4K at 30, not 4K yeah. at 60. But otherwise, it's got power delivery and it's got USB-C 3.1 Gen 2 and the faster SD cards, which is exactly what I want. And I kind of love, you know, it's got the classic Sony design. It's very Sony. It's a very, it's a, you know, as the owner of a Sony Walkman in 2019, I sure appreciate that kind of classic Sony design. So this Magic Dock, um, I like the idea, not sure about specs, not sure about the height, not sure about the fact that it's a Kickstarter campaign from a, seems like a new company that has never done a Kickstarter before. So you know what's going to happen, the release date is going to slip. By several months, because it always happens. It's st- almost statistically impossible for a Kickstarter or hardware from a new company to meet its promised deadline. Yeah, they say in October, which, again, uh... like we don't know anything about this company or, or the individual whose name is Steve Warren, who is working on this project, and they may know exactly what they're doing. But, you sure. know, I, I have very close relationships with lots of people that do this stuff all the time, right? Like I have a, a podcast that I do with Studio Neat. And if anything, Studio Neat knows it's how to make products. And, or like, uh, or the Pan Addict with, with Brad, right? Like mm-hmm. these are people that do, that they know how to make the products that they make and they struggle to meet their deadlines constantly because mm-hmm. things happen. I now know this in trying to manufacture things myself, right? Like even just paper goods. Yep. And it's like, oh, but it got stuck in customs for three weeks. So yeah, I just, you know, I hope that this person can fulfill by October, but October seems really close for a product like this. Especially because you have, it's not just a stand, it's a stand with IO. So you yeah. got chips, you got, you got different kinds of components to manufacture. Mm-hmm. It's not just, it's electronics. It's not, it's not just a piece of metal that can rotate. It's a piece of metal that can rotate. It's got magnets and it's got USB-C connections, and it's got a it's got a processor built in to handle these kinds of connections. So um, October is really close. Uh, it's like two months away essentially. So I don't know. By the time this thing finishes, yes, it will be two months away. Yeah, and and you know the uh, the something that just mentioned in the live chat, um, the low goal of the campaign. It's always a little. I'm always a little skeptical when I see why do you only need ten thousand um, dollars. So I don't know. This person, this company, may know exactly what they're doing, but of course, Kickstarter being Kickstarter, be mindful of the projects that you back and the promises that you believe. So mm-hmm. I and this is true for all kinds of Kickstarter campaigns. Nothing against um, the Magic Doc. It's just something to keep in mind. Yep. But overall, high level, the idea is intriguing. Uh, I just would like to play with it first. All right, today's episode is also brought to you by Pingdom. It is the summertime, but before you pack your bags and set your email to out of office, you want to make sure that you have something in place to tell you that everything is running smoothly on your website, and more importantly, when it is not. So you need Pingdom because they will let you 
No, the moment that your site goes down in whatever way is best for you. You can customize how you're alerted and who is alerted depending on the severity of an outage. So when you're out of office, you can actually stay out of the office. Take a vacation with peace of mind while Pingdom is monitoring your website. It's super easy to get started. All Pingdom needs is the URL and they will take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com slash OOO right now for a 14-day trial which is free, which is awesome. No credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code CONNECTED at checkout to get a cool 30% off your first invoice. And for a limited time only, enter for a free out-of-office, to win a free out-of-office t-shirt by going to pingdom.com slash OOO. Pingdom.com slash ooh. I like that. Ooh. Uh, pingdom.com slash OOO. The shirt is really great. Go check it out. Our thanks to Pingdom from our friends over at SolarWinds and their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All the great product rumors. We've got three sets of product rumors coming from 9to5Mac. Can you tell me uh, what our friend of the show, Guillaume Rambo, has discovered about the iPhone 11? Mm-hmm. So the iPhone 11, the, it sounds like the main feature is going to be this ultra-wide lens. Um, they're adding a third lens to the back of the, at uh, least the, what's well, going to be called the iPhone 11. So what is now the 10s? Gonna be 11, uh, not the 11R, which is gonna keep keep the dual lens configuration. But on the 11, we're gonna have this third lens that will let you shoot ultra wide pictures and supposedly ultra wide videos. Uh, and in terms of software, because of course knowing Apple, you know there's gonna be uh, new features and new new effects or you know new modifications that you can apply to your photos. And one of these functionalities is gonna be what Rambo um, mentions as a smart frame. She's a feature that I think Mark Gurman originally mentioned, not with his exact name, uh, many months ago, when he said that the upcoming iPhones in 2019 with an ultra-wide lens, they were going to have features to let you put back certain, um, for example, people or you know uh, details of a photo to put them back after the facts. Or well, that uh, maybe the fa- you after- could like change some of the focal mm-hmm. point right yeah. like maybe you want to shift the image over a little bit right like it's it's kind of interesting yeah so the the idea that when you take a picture that picture is not necessarily what you need to end up with you can thanks to the ultra wide maybe you can recover details or subjects or people or, like yeah like know. imagine you've taken a family photo and accidentally cut off uncle mm-hmm. bob you could yeah. bring Uncle Bob back into the image, like by mm-hmm. by stretching it out a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So um, it sounds very interesting to me. This feature, it's sort it's of a re- very Apple feature. It's a very Apple feature, yeah. and in demo as well. It, yes, and Rambo also mentions that it suggests that Apple is gonna is likely gonna take the 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 approach of this data that you can recover is only kept on device for a few days or for a limited period of time. And I I sort of understand why, like, if this is a feature that sort of lives in the background and is always enabled, um, you don't want to... You want to make sure that your device has the information that you manually captured. Like, if you're taking a picture and you're careful in framing the picture and you don't think about the fact that, oh... There's actually a lens that is also capturing more things like, around the picture. Maybe you're taking right? a picture and you're not fully dressed. 
Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right? You don't want that there forever? Forever. Embedded in the photo, in the yes. file. So I understand why Apple may say, we're going to let you recover uh, portions of a picture that you didn't capture when you framed the original, but we're going to keep it on device for a few days. Now, my question would be, I assume that this data will not sync with iCloud. Um, it will be encrypted on device. You can only recover it on your iPhone 11. And there's yeah. probably going to be some kind of counter, some kind of, you know, when you swipe up, maybe you will see, you know, uh, the ultra, the smart frame is available for seven X more days. days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ex- something like that. And I like maybe with be... the op- option to clear it now. Yeah, exactly. Which would be nice. Um, so... It's going to be interesting. A, a new feature that Rambo mentions in the iPhone 11, a, n- a new and improved Taptic engine. Uh, the Taptic engine is the component that allows your iPhone to play haptic feedback. Uh, it's been around since the days of 3D Touch. Yep. Rambo mentions that Apple is working on this Leap Haptics, is a code name so for more advanced haptic feedback. I think this is going to go well with the new iOS API for developers, it's called Core Haptics. This is a new feature of iOS 13, which is already supported in the iPhone XS. It allows developers to write completely custom haptic feedback. Right, so in Um, iOS 13, you can, when iOS 13 ships, this stuff can be in the current phones. Yes. This won't just be something for the new phones. No. Uh, it will be in the current phones. I'm testing betas of apps that use custom haptic what interactions. Is that like? That's like so. Before developers could choose from three types of haptic feedback. Um, they were called uh, selection, notification, and something else. And th- each each version had like three layers uh, for a total. I think actually a total of seven combinations. So before, developers could choose from te- seven total combinations of haptic feedback on your phone. Um, with core haptics, you can write whatever you want. And so, for example, right now I'm testing a calculator that has... Uh, it's not Pcalc, it's another one. Um, it, it has different layers of feedback, depending whether you press the equal button or the plus button, for example. Love and that. you can f- you can feel it, especially so you would get if you were using it enough, you would get used to it to the point where you're like, oh, that wasn't the right button. Yes, I like but that a lot. I'm yes, it's gonna be really nice. But I mentioned this because right now this is supported in the iPhone XS, but right now due to how the Taptic engine is designed and placed inside the XS, you can feel with your hand the feedback mostly toward the sides of the device and mm-hmm. the back of the device. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if this new Taptic Engine lets you feel stuff right under the display, even more prominently than before. Right. Well, that would make perfect sense, though, wouldn't it? Because, like, really, the Taptic Engine is 50% of 3D touch, right? Like, mm-hmm. the other part is the layer in the screen. But yes. now, if they're removing the layer in the screen, the Taptic Engine has to do more of the work, right? Like, to provide this yep. feeling which I guess is more like what is in like a trackpad, right? Mm-hmm. Then, yeah. then, you know. So. Yeah, and, and I could see Apple saying we have this new Taptic Engine and we also have new developer tools that allows games or apps 
to have, you know, like different levels of sharpness, different levels of intensity for this sort of true to life haptic feedback. I could totally see that. And it's supported on the 10s, but it's even better on the 11. So, um, no USB-C. I'm, I'm kind of sad about this. Yeah, honestly. but who was expecting it in this one? Oh, really? Were you? No, no, I was not, but I'm still sad. I would love to have a USB-C iPhone. I think it's going to happen, but I think we're years away still, though. Probably. Uh, no promotion uh, display, uh, so no 120 hertz refresh rate, which I'm, you know, I uh, we have this on the iPad. It looks glorious. Uh, I, I would love to have it on the phone. More and more phones are getting it. So they're going to have to do it at some point, I think. They're going to have to do it. Android phones are getting these, uh, you know, this is really uh, awesome for games. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm so used to it on the iPad Pro. I would love to have it on the phone. But we're going to get, and I guess a few people are, are going to be happy about this, slow-mo support for the front-facing cameras. So you're going to be able to do slow-motion selfies. I don't care about that. I just want a better selfie camera. Yeah, me too. So, so if this I means better selfie camera, yeah. sure, give me slow-mo as well. You would assume it probably does though, right? Because like the, otherwise the, the slow-mo video is going to look terrible. Because exactly. like slow-mo video doesn't look that great on the iPhone, right? For like a no. bunch of reasons, right? Like it's dark, it's not as high resolution, yeah. right? So, and that's with like the excellent camera on the back. They have to do Imagine with the current. Yeah. Oh my God, you wouldn't see anything. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope that that means that, that we're going to get some improvements to the to the selfie camera as well because that's that's yeah. a much needed thing. Yeah, but otherwise, we're going to get the huge let camera bump. You, let me ask mm. you because okay. I feel okay. like I have been seeing people on Twitter for the last couple of weeks say, "Oh, this is an easy one to skip," etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What do you think about this? I mean, I'm not going to skip it. <laughs> No, you but like, that. are you going to be mad about it? I'm not, I'm not asking if you're going to skip it, but like, how, uh-huh. what do you when you read this? How do you feel about it? Well, when I read, if it's just this, like a third camera and and Taptic engine, it's new. Like, it's not that exciting. The third uh-huh. camera is enough for me to buy it. Really? Yeah, because I use mm. the second camera all the time. So mm. having another camera is great. Like, I want the ultra wide like i've been talking about i really want an ultra wide camera i want that because it's like this is a feature that i see on other phones and i think it looks really cool i would like it on my iphone i want an ultra wide lens so like that is like for me that's enough i use my camera quite a lot and i I like to to use my phone as a camera like it's the only camera that i want and i want it to be the best camera that it can be and i would like to have an ultra wide lens so i can take some different types of photos I guess I'm still a bit disappointed by the 10s camera that that prevents me from getting too excited about camera yeah, changes. Where, in where the I love the 10s camera, mm-hmm. yeah. that is that is just where me and you we differ. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, and Taptic Engine, fine, that sounds great. Uh, it will be faster, right? Like, go for it. Uh, and then I don't know what it will be outside of that, but. I don't think I was expecting anything more than this, though, right? Like, I know it's like an, it's like another model, but it seems like that the better one of the two is going to be the second one, right? Because it's when they're going to change some size stuff, so like the 11S or whatever. But I just... I feel like everyone's forgotten what happened when the iPhone 6 came out. Like, did, did you all forget that we went 6, 6S, 7, 
Did we get a 7S or did it go to 8? Well, we got to 8. Right? But, like, there was multiple years where there wasn't really a lot going on. Right? Like, mm-hmm. that... I think people remember the glory days of one, two, three, four, five, six, right? Like every single solid number is a massive leap. But no, yeah. we've had more time with iteration in the iPhone line than we have revolution, like at this point. Like it was a many, many years where they made very small changes to the phone. They would add like a feature and speed bumps, a feature and speed bumps. And that was just how it was for a while. Do you feel Apple can wait until 2021 for a completely new design? I don't even think it'll be a completely new design in 2020, 2020 or 2021. I think we've got oh. this for a while. I, I, I would like to see it. Maybe we get it in 2021. But if in 2020 we're going to have different sizes, if they don't change the design then, I can't imagine them doing it the year after. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. It behooves them to keep the design the same for a long time, right? Like, it, it from a product design perspective, must be much, much more easier for them. Especially, I mean, but I say especially if people keep buying them. The problem is people aren't buying them as much. And, and that might be a reason that they are. I, I feel like if, if the 11S is the one where it's different sizes, that was a plan brought forward, right? Because that just seems so strange. That, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, because they clearly have changed course in some areas, and that could be one of them. But do I think twenty twenty one? Maybe, maybe. I would, I would love it. It'd be great to have a new design. But I don't even really know what they would do unless they're gonna, you know, unless they do actually do something to get rid of Face ID. Like I can't imagine a new design for a long time. Yeah, I just, I just feel like you know the notch and those rounded edges. They're starting to feel a little old, especially when you look at other Android phones. It's uh, it was fine with the iPhone ten, but I feel like the competition has caught up very quickly to that phone, more quickly than I was expecting. And sure, Face ID is more advanced than other systems, but if you're an average consumer, you don't care about the millions of scans going on per second. You just look at the phone that's you know, cool, cooler looking, and and, and possibly cheaper. Um, so I don't know. It feels like the you know thinking about do I want to keep the iPhone 10 design for another two years and meanwhile uh, Android phone makers are making this truly edge to edge displays with cameras embedded underneath the display and maybe even fingerprint sensors. I mean that's super cool. Um, and instead I got the notch. So <laughs> I don't know. Uh, there's some more rumors about the 16-inch uh, MacBook Pro still coming in October, apparently. Um, we, you know, There's been a lot of question about this from different rumors and then Apple revamping some laptops just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and apparently, according to this new rumor coming from Economic Daily News via 9to5Mac, it's going to ship alongside updates to the 13-inch MacBook Pro and the MacBook Air. In October, even though we got an update in July, um, it's a, it's surprising. But if one of the big things about that new MacBook Pro is a new keyboard design, Apple would, I'm sure, be very motivated to get that across the entire line as quickly as possible. Uh, some a couple of other details: it's a 3072 by 1920 LCD display, which is okay. bigger, um, and it's like higher pixels. And apparently, this is the thing that is the kind of the newest piece of information. Apparently, starting at three thousand dollars, making Ooh. it a very pro 
model indeed. Which makes complete sense to me, though. Starting at... Starting starting at (laughs) $3,000. The reason I say it makes sense to me is I think that this design doesn't replace the 15, right? Like, it sits at the very top, and it's super expensive because it's going to be super different and super weird and super wonderful. And Apple is apparently going to position it as, like kind of like in between the iMac and the iMac Pro as like a thing, right? Like it's actually going to probably be a very much true Pro laptop for a while, right? Like in the way that the iMac Pro is expensive, the Mac Pro is expensive, the MacBook Pro is about to become very expensive. I would love to have a 16-inch iPad Pro, I'll tell you that. Um, Me too, me too. But I, I, I... I'm curious to see if it actually replaces the 15-inch MacBook Pro or if Apple uses the 13-inch as the baseline and then it goes up to 16 inches, removing the 15-inch from the from the lineup yeah. so that they can make more money. I've always thought that they would keep the 15, but the lack of rumors about an update to the 15 while, they talk, while people are talking about updates to the 13, right, mm-hmm. at the same time makes me pause for thought on that one. But it would seem peculiar to me for them to only offer this really expensive one at 15. But I guess we'll wait and see. What is the what does it start at now? Let me find out. I don't know, even know what the the MacBook Pro starts at now on the 15. Because I never even think about 15. 15 just feels like way too much laptop for me. Uh, it starts at 2300, 2400. Okay. So you'd, yeah, but you'd be adding 600 dollars to Qu- start. Quite price. the jump. Quite yeah. the jump. Even for Apple standards. Yeah. It uh, may be that they just leave it there. They don't put the new keyboard in it, but you can still get the old one and they keep it for a while, but they also have a 16. That might be what they do. Mm-hmm. Sounds possible. And also, the there's a, a small rumor that uh, micro LED may come to the Apple Watch in 2020. Um, mm. micro LED screens are, it basically would mean that they could have smaller components. They would have longer battery life, less burn-in. Um, yeah. Apple's apparently been trying to work on micro LED for a while and in the same way that the first uh, OLED screen was an Apple Watch, yeah. right? The first micro LED screen would be an Apple Watch. The Apple Watch is the perfect kind of product for screen technology, I think, for them. Yes. Smaller, yes. Uh, smaller yield that they need. They sell less of them than do an iPhone. allows them to kind of, I guess, get their kind of their feet wet with a new technology. Yeah, it's it sounds... It sounds exactly like what they should do, start testing the new technology on the on the watch, later bring it to the phone. Uh, the iPads are probably never going to get an OLED display at this point. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought of that. I wonder if the micro LED could, because of the, of the reduced uh, battery consumption and the burning effect, is the key to finally get an always-on watch face. I wonder if this is the plan. Oh, yeah, maybe that's it. OLED could do it, but I understand why they might wait if this technology is mm-hmm. better for it. Yeah. So it could be, and it could be a pretty nice feature for a future watch. Maybe that's the selling point of the that's 2020 the watch. Point. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Today's show is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends over at Smile. You can give your productivity a boost of Text Expander, turning the things that you type often into snippets that you can type everywhere and you can expand huge blocks of text. You can expand 
snippets that you can fill in with fresh information. You can even put images in there if you want to. Companies use Text Expander for Teams to allow them to quickly and easily deal with customer support, to type out reports, or even to be sending email. You can have, like, if you're sending out, I don't know, like sales pitches and stuff like that, you can have the best writers in your company write out the pitch that you want and you can share it with the entire team. So you can have consistency and accuracy amongst your communication. We use a text expander for teams here at Relay FM for these exact reasons. Um, there's a bunch of us now and we're talking to companies quite frequently and sometimes we need to deliver consistency of information like in a very specific way. Um, because me and Stephen are very specific people, so we like things communicated in specific ways. So it allows us to do that. So whoever's responsible for a certain part of the business can write out a snippet and share it with everybody. And then when we're communicating with companies or communicating with people like our members, right, when they have questions, we have consistency. It's super awesome. If you're always looking, like me, for ways to be a little bit more productive, you should be trying out Text Expander, even if you don't want the team stuff. It's super simple and super easy to use to handle all of your repetitive typing tasks, leaving you more time to do what you do best. Go to textexpander.com slash podcast, and you can learn more about Text Expander right now. That is textexpander.com slash podcast. I thank, our thanks to Text Expander from Smile for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Do you tell me about your TV that you just bought? Uh-huh. Uh yeah, because I you know, because I hate capitalism, I took advantage of Prime Day. That's why I bought my Echo Show Prime Day. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen I and I don't mean to get political, Uh-oh. but I've seen folks say, you know, boycott Prime Day and, and you know, don't give your money to Amazon. But as all if you know me you know that one of the ways that i like to live my life is to pick my battles uh-huh. and this is one of the fights that you i'm going to fight to other jeff looks like, like he could throw down J- jeff would absolutely destroy me <laughs> in a fight <laughs> he would he really absolutely. would he really would he's savage he's too do you remember that got- that like when he hired that comp- like that he's- whole thing Oh, this is savage. He can write uh, a, a very upset letter. Mm-hmm. He's also is also very muscular, and I bet that he has an army of killers, both humans and robots, at his disposal. So interesting, you know. But in this case, I understand why some folks uh, wanted to do an Amazon boycott. You know, for Prime Day. Look, I just needed a new television, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, I, really? I mean, know, again, I'm not saying one way or the other. But if you're going to boycott them, boycott them every day, right? Like if yeah. Prime Day like, is not any more or less worse than how the company is on an average day, right? You know, we we, we wouldn't want to spend a lot of money and we saved, uh, quite, you know, I looked on the, uh, we ended up buying a Samsung television for reasons that I will explain shortly. Um, but I looked on the Samsung website, I looked on other Italian retailers' uh, websites and it was at least 250 euros more than the Prime Day uh, price tag. So, you know, why not? Um, So, uh, we needed a new television for our small kitchen slash uh, living room space. Mike, you've been here, you know, it's very small Mm -hmm. and we need to... We wanted to try and make more room, so we also bought a new sofa. We did a bunch of, you know, rethinking around that area. And... 
we wanted to have a bigger television on the on the balcony outside. So the plan was we're going to take our current our current TV from the living room, bring it outside, get rid of the TV outside and buy a new TV for the kitchen. Um I I knew that we wanted to get something in 4K but around the 40 to 43 inch uh, size, which is not easy to find because 4K TVs you know, arguably makes sense once you go beyond 50 inches. Um, but there are companies making 43 inches that, you know, TV sets with 4K support. I also knew that if possible, I wanted to get a TV with native AirPlay 2 and HomeKit support. Now, I started doing research around this and I only had a few hours because we decided on Prime Day which actually lasted two days. So it was like prime days, not just 24 hours. Black Friday is all week now, though. So it's... Yeah, exactly. So uh, I had just a day to decide. And so I started doing research, and it was horrible. I, like, it was a terrible process of understanding which models actually of, of televisions from which companies actually have AirPlay 2 or HomeKit, which model numbers because they change from the US to the EU and also whether the software update for AirPlay 2 and HomeKit is actually already available or if it's just been promised by the manufacturer because it's just starting to roll out on a bunch of TVs like now right yeah yeah exactly so my research the, the results were that HomeKit support is extremely rare to find. I think actually tomorrow LG is going to be the first company to release a software update that adds HomeKit and AirPlay 2 together. Um, my, you know, in, in browsing and reading articles, all I could find was that some TVs already had AirPlay 2, but no HomeKit. So started doing more research, uh, filtering through the comments on Amazon and the reviews on Amazon, and uh, we ended up finding this this uh, Samsung TV. It's the RU7400. It's a 43-inch uh, 4K TV that has native AirPlay 2 support. It's also printed on the box of the TV. So there's an Air- works with Apple AirPlay 2, Apple AirPlay, I think. Uh, it's got an official badge. Um, we got that one, and I set it up. Um, and it worked right away, and I was actually quite impressed. Uh, it works in a couple of ways. So this is one of the TVs that has the built-in TV app from Apple. On this, loaded into Tizen, I think is the operating system for this one. Yeah, it's Tizen. Uh, so it's got a TV app for the TV software. Uh, no need to actually buy an Apple TV device and plug it into this television, uh, and it works perfectly well it's uh, you know you're using the remote of the samsung tv which i actually prefer to the apple tv remote you log into your apple id uh, apple actually has a uh, you know an authorized web page that lets you do this from safari so oh, you nice. don't need to type in you d- yeah you don't need to type in your password it's very nice i was because um, i was just a bit like oh no, and i'm not one of these types no, of no, people no. that gets crazy about this stuff, but I don't really want to type in my Apple ID password into uh, anything other than an Apple yeah. device. I was surprised by the existence. I think it's autorize.apple.com or something like yeah. that. Um, so that was super easy. And once I was logged in, it picked up my 
episodes of The Office and Chernobyl that I had in my Watch Now queue. Um, and it was just, it looks like the TV, the same app on the Apple TV device, but it runs on my Samsung TV and it's totally acceptable and totally fine. Of course, there are differences in terms of, you know, this is not an OLED TV and doesn't have Dolby Atmos. It's got whatever Samsung calls HDR. Um, so I can, <laughs> I think it's UHD, can, right? No, I think it's HDR10, maybe, oh, or something okay, like that. Okay. Yeah, I I can tell the difference between this television and the, the good one that we have in the bedroom. You know, the LG TV yep. with OLED and Dolby Atmos. And Dolby yeah. Vision, I'm sorry, sure Dolby that, Atmos like, is for audio. Their more expensive um, TVs have different grading. Uh, yeah, and like, visually, you can absolutely tell the difference. But it's fine, we don't, we just need a TV, you know here in the kitchen slash living room to like to watch the news or a tv show in italian you know something super easy um so that was fine but otherwise the the tv app is totally okay um no comments there actually i appreciate the inclusion so i don't need to buy an extra apple tv 4k um airplay 2 also works in control center so now i can stream anything that i want to my tv whether it's music or video or a podcast. I just need, you know, there's a new there's a new device in Control Center with it's it says Kitchen TV and it's got the icon of a TV. Nice. And it's it just works. You connect to it, you pair initially once, you need to type in a PIN code and that's it. Then you can connect to it like a like an like an Apple TV and it just works. Um I of course you know me I looked up immediately whether, before buying the TV, whether it was going to be possible to hook it up to HomeBridge to use it as a HomeKit device in addition to AirPlay. And of course, I found the excellent Samsung Tizen package for HomeBridge. So now, in addition to running my LG TV from 2017 via HomeBridge, I also run this Samsung TV via HomeBridge. Um... Set up some, some, relatively. Uh, I'm gonna give you some some follow up from the chat room. So Samsung use HDR10, but doesn't have yeah. Dolby Vision. Atmos yeah, yeah, is yeah. the sound format. Yeah, yeah. Atmos is the sound. Doesn't have Dolby Vision. It's called HDR10 Plus. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so I I configured the TV via Homebridge. I set up a few channels, and I actually need to issue a complaint here, Mike. Uh, I haven't seen enough people get upset about this, except for Reddit. But then again, people on Reddit are always upset, so they really don't count. Um, have you opened, Michael, the home app in iOS 13? Uh, no. Okay, so in iOS 13, I'm trying to find a way to, to describe this on a podcast that makes sense. Let's say that you have a temperature sensor right? That mm-hmm. works with HomeKit. Mm-hmm. Usually, those sensors, they let you know about the temperature yep. and, I don't know, humidity, right? They have two data points. In iOS 12 and before, it used to be that in the Home app, you would get both data points as two separate tiles in the Home app. Right. One would say 25 degrees, the other would say 60% humidity. In iOS 13, data points for the same accessory are grouped together and you cannot see 
both data points mm. unless you long press mm. on the tile and open a pop-up window. I can see why this has happened because it's like yes. well, it's only one device. Yes, I understand that. I but understand it's only one device. There maybe needs to be a way to show multiple there. pieces of information in one tile. Or just give me an option yes. to ungroup them because it's a slippery slope. For example, I have a device that is both an alarm system, it's a native HomeKit security system, and a light. Like the same <laughs> device is a light and a security system. Now yeah. in the Home app, I, can, <laughs> I have a thing that says alarm because I named it alarm. But then it says, let me see, because it, it really doesn't make any sense. Um, so let me see. Alarm, 50% brightness. Because it's picking <laughs> up the name. But it's okay. al- it also thinks the data point that it needs to expose by default is the light bulb that's built into the, the device. But then if I long press it, that's where I see on the left side the light and on the right side, the switch to arm my security system. Like, it makes absolutely no sense to group the, 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 the features, the functionalities of this device within a single accessory. So I think that Apple, and I think folks of, on Reddit have been fighting a lot of raiders about this. There needs to be a way to ungroup them. Because then again, you have devices, for example, you have HomeKit accessories, products. There are, for example, ceiling fans, that also have a light. So in order to control your ceiling fan and your light, you're going to have to expand uh, a, a device with a long press and and you're going to see the fan and the light together. Like, it makes very little sense. Like, I could see an argument for temperature sensors to group humidity and temperature together or, you know, outlets that have multiple plugs I can see why Apple thought of that. But you also have a collection of HomeKit devices that within the same physical accessory, you have wildly different functionalities. And to group them together is dysfunctional to the experience. For me, personally speaking, in addition to the security system, this is a problem because of the way that HomeKit, um, that, that my custom, sorry, my custom HomeBridge televisions work. Um, with the old um, LG TV package, uh, my, I could see in iOS 12 different switches for things like PS4 channel or TV volume or, you know, all the different features that I enabled as switches. But in iOS 13, because all those switches belong to a single accessory, they are now grouped together. And in order to use them, I need to always open a pop-up and that po- the UI makes absolutely no sense. It's got these super tall physical switches and basically what used to occupy a single screen worth of uh, tiles before now requires like three pages of scrolling in iOS 13. I need to open a pop-up menu and then I need to scroll this immense list of super tall switches. I'm going to send you a screenshot, Mike, because you need to understand what I'm talking about here. Yeah, I do. Uh, 
it's even more than three pages. Will this I think. be a screenshot that I can include in the show notes or no? This will absolutely be a screenshot that you can include okay. in the show notes because I think people need to visualize what I'm talking about here. Uh, so this is how a TV, uh, the same accessory groups, multiple switches. I'm sending that to you on iMessage. And I can also send you what the security system looks like when it's both a light and a siren. Oh, this once. is bonkers. It's just a big it's... list of switches that look exactly the same. <laughs> and, uh, for example, in Control in control Center, uh, when you open the HomeKit uh, tile, uh, you will see that, for example, things like the EVE weather and EVE degree no longer give you the data points. They just say two sensors. They don't actually give you the numbers as soon as you open the HomeKit tile. Um it's really, with every change to the home app, Apple makes one step forward, which in this case would be running a shortcut as part of automation, and two steps backwards. Like, what are you even doing with this UI? It makes ab- absolutely no sense, especially in Control Center when you want to have fast access to all kinds of switches and, and details from sensors. So if you take a look at the Control Center screenshot, you will see the weather stuff, the temperature stuff just says two sensors. That's no good. That's and no when good. You ex- yeah, you need to expand it, and uh, then you will see what it what it what it contains. Yeah, yeah, that's, it's, that's uh, a shame. Uh, yeah. So uh, I'm happy with this TV. Uh, I'm not happy with the way that HomeKit is changing in iOS 13. Um, but otherwise, you know, Samsung, good job. AirPlay 2 works fine. And uh, also good job, Shortcuts team, because now I can include my kitchen TV as part of the uh, set destination, set playback destination action in Shortcuts. Uh, so I can automate my Samsung TV from Shortcuts natively because of AirPlay 2. But HomeKit team, seriously, uh, take a look at, you know, either listen to this episode and take a look at the screenshots in the show notes or just try and uh, go to reddit.com slash r slash homekit and in the search field type iOS 13 and you will see a whole bunch of complaints. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Are we done? I think we're done. Are you all tired out now? I am a little exhausted, but it's a, th- it's a, it's a comment that, uh, n- you know, Mike, I'm going to say your favorite sentence. I can't believe nobody's talking about this. <laughs> if you want to find our show notes for this week, go to relay.fm slash connected slash 253. Uh, if you want to find Federico online, he's at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And you go to maxstories.net and check out App Stories as well because uh, he's going to talk more about the shortcut stuff we were talking about earlier on in the episode. Um, you can find me. I'm at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thank you so much to our sponsors this week, Squarespace, Pingdom, and Text Expander. And we'll be back next week. Until then, say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci. Cheerio.